It's great to be uh, joining you this morning again online. Uh, it's not what we'd like, it's not what we'd imagine, but uh, we want to thank you for taking the time to uh, join us and be with us. If you're new or exploring faith, exploring what church looks like, uh, we're grateful that you've clicked online specifically. If you're regular with us, uh, thank you for consistently being a part of our community in all the expressions that this season has brought. We're especially grateful for the gracious way that many people have responded. Uh, thank you for your understanding and your patience in this time. And for the team of people who have rocked up here, we have pre-recorded this service to make it look like it's coming to you live. Uh, but uh, we're incredibly grateful for the team of people who have made this happen uh, prior to Sunday. And for the understanding of our team who uh, we've released uh, just to be at home and to relax this weekend and to enjoy the service with their family. So thank you for your understanding. Uh, we sent out an email late in the week to unpack and to just outline what this week looks like, understanding now that it'll only be three days, but we just wanted to give people a heads up. If you don't receive that email or if you're uncertain of what's happening, please feel free to contact the office. Uh, and we'd love to help you out in any way that we possibly can. We'd love you to be uh, have you, have your. We'd love for you to have your scriptures open. Uh, Mark chapter one, uh, verses forty to forty-five. We're going to read that shortly. Whether you're on new version or your paper Bible, however you follow along, take notes. Remember, we're going all the way through Mark, um, and we'd invite you to travel with us. And hopefully, you're engaging and reading through it as well. Before we go any further, I want to pray. I want to invite you to pray with me and uh, as God reveals his spirit and speaks to us uh, through his word. So let's just take a moment just to, because that's good for me too. And uh, then we can get into the word a bit deeper. So Father, we want to thank you again that you are who you are, that you are still writing the story. Uh, we understand there's anxiety, we understand there's apprehension, we understand there's fear, we understand there might even be anger uh, to what's happened, um, a sense of frustration to what's happened over these days. But God, we want to just invite you into that. We know that you're in the middle of that. that you're still working things out. And we want to pray for the leaders of our state, um, of our country, we understand that we kind of sit in our homes, in our cities, in our areas, the friendships, relationships that we know, the workplaces that we're a part of, uh, and we don't really know what's happening outside those areas sometimes. So we, we ask for your wisdom for our leaders. We ask for your grace and your peace to be upon them and upon their families as they make this, these decisions. Grant us patience in these decisions in the midst of our own emotions, uh, the things that we've missed out on, the plans that have been made, the plans that have been stopped, Father. Uh, we ask that we might lift our eyes and our hearts, our very spirits to you, to have you being poured into us again, refreshing us, refining us through this time again of uncertainty. Uh, Father, we, we just want to commit this time to you now as we read your word, as we unpack your word, as we explore your word, as we have your word speak to us, may it pierce deeply into us so that it would transform us, not just as information, not just as head knowledge, but as, as a heart transformation, as a spirit transformation, more in, and deeper and richer into your likeness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom that we have to read your word. Uh, we stand with those and pray for those who don't have that same freedom. Uh, we want to pray your blessing over your church in all her expressions. Uh, all those who pursue after Christ uh, might just continue to be people who see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. 
And may it come in me, may it come in us as we spend time in your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. So if we were to take a quick survey, I wonder how many of you like watching um, reality medical shows. Uh, I'm not particularly a fan. I don't like watching them. I don't like seeing other people have needles injected them. Uh, I turn away when I have my own needle injected. Uh, but what I've discovered in the, one of the gifts of being in ministry with people and sharing life with people is that they like to show you gory images. Um, are you one of those people that you like to show people your wounds? If you are just had an accident, if you just come out of surgery, do you like to take the bandages off? And here, minister, have a look at this. Ooh, ooh. Um, I don't know what you're like at gagging. Maybe you're one of those people uh, that likes to pick the scab off your wounds. Um, that's a bit gross, I understand. But, you know, we all have our thing, don't we? So uh, something satisfying sometimes of picking a scab off a wound. So now if you're still with me and you're not gagging somewhere uh, into a bucket, uh, this is essentially um, the challenges of the early people of Israel. They had rules and regulations around wounds. I don't know what that word was, but around wounds um, and their, their healing and the nature of the healing. If you go back to Leviticus and read chapter 13 to 14, you see all these laws around um, when you, if you had a wound or a scab on your skin, you would go to the priest and you would show them that. And if the priest determined that that wound was infectious, you would have to go and bathe yourself, change your clothes, and then you'd go outside the community for a period of seven days. After that seven days, you come back, you get it checked. If the priest determines that it's still not healed, um, then you would be required to go out to the community, go through the whole process again. Now, obviously, if the wound had got infected and spread throughout your skin, there was no chance you are coming back into the community. This is, I guess, one of those skin diseases. This is one of the challenges around leprosy, which is a curable skin disease as we know it now. It's caused by bacteria, which is actually, they believe, is transferred by coughs or sneezes. If you're carrying the bacteria, it can be transferred to those people who are more vulnerable to the disease. It affects your nerves, it attacks your nerves, begins eating your muscles, leaves you with horrible sores, disfiguration, starts as a white patch on your skin and then spreads like that. So you can imagine being amongst the poor, the vulnerable, um, maybe even having a, a healthy job, having a family at some stage and all of a sudden you see this spot on your skin. You've got to go to the priest, you've got to be examined. Not only that, but nobody else can come within cooey of you. Nobody else can touch you. Nobody else can be in conversation with you. If you had a home, there's every risk that you might lose a home if that source spreads. If you had a job, there's every chance you lose that job. And if, you had to, if the infection spread and you were outside the community for a long period of time, you were, you were there and that was your community. That had somehow become your community. And the community that you once knew was forever Change. And this is essentially the challenge of the story or the invitation or the beginnings of a story, if you like, that we read in the Gospel of Mark today. And I've asked Lily to come and read to us from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. So Lily, if you want to come and read that for us now, that'd be fantastic. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away 
at once with a strong warning, so that you don't tell this to anyone, but you go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter the town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places, yet people still come to him from everywhere. Well done. Thank you. So you can see the challenge. Now, what we don't know about this man is what stage of leprosy he had. Was it just a small white spot on his skin? Had it started to attack his nerves to that place where it had started to eat through his muscles um, and, he, and he started to eat through his skin? And maybe there were scabs forming on the bottom of his feet. One of the challenges about this, once you have that disease start to eat through your body, you don't feel anything. So you don't feel that you've stepped on fire or put your hand on the stovetop or picked up a hot pot or whatever it might be. You begin to hurt yourself and damage yourself. So we don't know what stage this man with leprosy had come to Jesus. What we do know is that this man is desperate. How do we get that indication? Because the scripture says the man came to Jesus and begged him. He was on his knees begging Jesus. This is a state of desperation and it's a huge state of risk. Has he snuck into the community? Did he hear about Jesus? And he snuck in, he thought, this is my last chance. It's, just, it's understood that the Levitical law is if you were coming into the city, outside of the leper community, outside of where you've been put, you'd have to be walking around going, unclean, unclean, and everybody would pave a path for you. Nobody else wanted to be treated as unclean. Nobody else wanted to catch the disease. Remember, this was a long time ago before we had the medical updates. So they understood that if they touched their man, they caught the disease. It was infectious and they didn't want to be put out either. But this man is so desperate, so hungry for some human connection, so worn out perhaps of this disease or even worn out thinking of what it could be that he comes to Jesus and begs him on his knees. He said, I just get the impression as I read this story, this man is at his wit's end. He doesn't know what else to do. And so he comes to Jesus as his final, almost as his final hope. That's the impression that I've got. Now that I, I, I might not be right, and you might read it differently, that's okay. But I feel like this man is desperate, absolutely desperate for change. Even the words, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There's not, even a, there's not even a real declaration of faith about that, is it? If you are willing, if you've got the time, Jesus, if you've got the time in your, in your if you can make the way in your calendar, in your diary, whatever it might be, in amongst the other appointments, if you're willing, there's not a real conviction of faith, is there? It's you can do this if you're willing to make the extra effort in this. Now, what happens in verse 41? This is actually a fascinating text. Um, this text on the screen uh, says, filled with compassion. The text that Lily read to us, you would have noticed, uh, Lily read, Jesus was indignant. Now, this is a, an incredible challenge in language. Now, for many years as I've read this, I've kind of wondered, Jesus was indignant. Indignant. There's a sense where that's 
uh, put out by or angry at or frustrated by. And I've always thought, why, if Jesus is who he is, why does he become so indignant at the man? And it's occurred to me as I've done some uh, research and other scholars have said, Jesus has this indignation towards this man's um, need, towards his situation. He's angry, if you want to put it as bluntly as this, he's angry at the fractured, broken nature of our world. He's angry that this man is experiencing this leprosy, this disease. He's angry, if you like, at the evil that has come into the world. And that has caused this disruption, this brokenness, this fractured nature of life. Jesus is not indignant that the man has come to speak to him, but he is indignant at the situation that this man finds himself in. And I wondered further about this. If, the, if Jesus was indignant at the situation that he finds this man is in, I wonder if he is just as indignant, just as angry, just as frustrated, just as put out by the way that this community might have treated this man. And as I read that this week, I found that a little bit confronting. Because I don't know about you, but there are times that I've walked down the street and I haven't wanted to look people in the eye. Maybe I felt like they would put me out, maybe, you know, those people who you know you say hello to and then you're there for another half an hour those people you didn't expect to talk to during the day those people that you go and you go and say hello to and then you hear their life story and you just don't have time to do that remember those conversations I'm not the only one that have those conversations I'm sure I know there's moments where I've gone down the street and I want to keep moving where I've not sat with people because of my calendar, because of my diary, where I haven't been quite so willing to be quite so gracious. And maybe I haven't had the same indignation that Jesus has at other people's situations that are out of whack with the promise of the kingdom of God. They're not God restoring the world. They're, out, they're um, a reflection of our broken, fractured world. And I wondered, as I read this text, if my heart is broken enough to be this indignant to the way that the world is, and not only to the way that the world is, but to the way that we can so often treat one another because we feel like we get put out. Maybe we feel like we don't have the answers. Maybe we feel like we don't see things as clearly as we'd like to. Maybe we don't have the energy. Maybe we're just carrying our own stuff and therefore to have other people's stuff it's just all too much. Now, I think even the nature of this uh, compassion as we read it in some texts, it's almost like um, we can choose whether we respond with charity or not. Charity is a choice. Whereas I think to be indignant, it stirs something in us. It causes us, it almost forces us to respond. We can't simply accept the way that things are, can we? If we are indignant at something, if we are angry at something, if we're put out by something, we can't just leave it as it is. And in many ways, I think this is why Jesus responds the way that he does. Some texts, you know, and, and some scholars go far back and say that the Greek actually highlights that Jesus was angry. That's the Greek original language around it. So we've got to this place where he's filled with compassion. He wants to change something. He wants to shift something. He wants to bring a new experience for this man. Now, 
what, what fascinates me about this text, if we've read, if we've been reading the Bible anywhere um, at, over any period of time, firstly remember that this man hasn't really declared faith. He's just said, look, Jesus, <laughs> if you're willing, if you've got the time, if you've got the space, if you can be bothered, you can make me clean. Now, if you've been reading the scriptures for any length of time, what we know about Jesus is he can just speak and it's done. Yeah? We know that Jesus has authority over heaven and earth. And we'll see some stories over the next few weeks where the disciples go, who is this man that he has this kind of authority just to speak and it's done? And you can read ahead and you can see that and those questions asked over all sorts of things. Jesus just speaks a word and he can heal someone. But what makes this an act of compassion is that Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. That's an act of compassion. See, Jesus understood, I think, here that this was not right. And this man probably hadn't experienced any touch for a long period of time, depending on, again, his stages of leprosy. So yeah, Jesus had the authority by the spoken word to bring healing into the man's body. But something else was stirring in him. And this is why I wonder if he's indignant at the community, that he had the, um, the compassion to not only declare healing, but to reach out and touch the man. Now, I think this is a fascinating scripture, and particularly in today's context, because over the last couple of weeks, as we've gathered in, in our building again, as people have gathered, as I've met with people, I've had people, you know, varying responses. Some people put out their hand, oh, no, I shouldn't be doing that, but let me do it anyway. Who cares about that? Some people have touched me on the shoulder and gone, oh, coronavirus. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Funny joke. <laughs> um, other people make jokes about it, you know, elbow touch, fist bump, all those kind of things. <sighs> And I was talking to a, a guy earlier this week and he said, you know what, a, another guy, we are missing this sense of physical touch in this world at the moment. And he spoke about the heart that he had, that even um, before he was married, he longed and just to be touched, just to be hugged by other people. And he spoke about um, getting a big bear hug uh, from, from Jared at various times and just how much he loved that and appreciated that. Now, I'm, just not, I'm not advocating that we all go out and start hugging each other. That's not what I'm advocating. But isn't it fascinating how much we miss touch? How much we hunger for touch? Jesus knows our every need. And I can't help but wonder what would it look like for me not only to be indignant at the situation in the world, but to be filled with compassion that I actually did a little bit more than I thought I could get away with. That I actually went a little bit further. That I actually had the courage to touch the untouchable. To step out of my comfort zone, to step out of my world, the way that I saw the world, and begin to see the world as Jesus sees it. It's one thing to declare something. It's another thing to see the world and think this is not what it should be and to step into it to bring it change and to affect change. And maybe this is the power of this scripture as I think about this. 
What is it that you're so indignant about that you can no longer just sit there and watch as it unfolds? You can no longer just sit there and watch as the community responds or ignores or rejects. What is it that's stirring in your heart that it's no longer a choice, but you've got to move into it? You've got to somehow touch that disease, that touch that wrong, touch that injustice and bring about change. So filled with indignation and compassion that you move into action. It's one thing to speak in uproar. It's one thing to speak about how badly things are. It's another thing to affect change. I, I've got no answers for what that might mean for you. And maybe there's something stirring in you. Maybe it's in your household. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's in, your, in the city that you're a part of. And maybe we've been sitting around waiting for someone else to pick up the mantle and step into it. But maybe that's the stirring of the Holy Spirit upon you. What are you indignant at that says, this can't stay the same? There's something not right here. So Jesus says, uh, be clean. Now the man becomes clean. And uh, I love this passage in the next verses. Uh, he, immediately the leprosy leaves him. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. This sent him away is the same language that was used when we're told that after the baptism of Jesus, remember that language in, in chapter 1, Jesus come up out of the waters and the Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness. That's the same kind of force in this language. It's, Jesus compelled this man to go away. <laughs> Not only compelled him to go away, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So Jesus, despite what he's about to do, despite the challenges that he's about to face, he actually says to this man, show yourself to the priest. Honor the law. Remember the law. Don't forget the law. Jesus isn't yet ready to reveal himself because remember this. Here's the thing. Jesus' revelation and the fullness of who Jesus is is not revealed just by healing. It's one aspect of who he is and he wants to bring a complete healing because his greatest restoration, his greatest revelation is actually in that we are restored as a people, as creation, into a full relationship with our creator. His father, our father, our creator, the one who is seeking to restore all things on earth into the likeness of his kingdom. So the revelation of Jesus has not yet come. So go and show yourself, honour the priest, remember the law. And then he goes on, what we're told uh, in verse 45. Instead, he goes out and begins to talk freely and he spreads the news. And Jesus can't avoid this anymore. He can't hide away anymore. But for Jesus, this is not a popularity contest. This is not a, he's not interested in gathering crowds. We spoke about this last week. It's one thing to be a part of the crowd. It's another thing to declare Jesus Christ as Lord and follow him. It's one thing to get what we want from Jesus. It's another thing to submit to Jesus. And this is the challenge that I think is before us as Jesus talked about this. And as he goes... Um, and he can't, even as he goes out to the lonely places, the crowds go after him. We want healing. We need healing. And it's a, you're one who has authority. We're seeing you as someone different. But Jesus is saying, I've actually got more to offer you. 
It's not just about coming to Jesus to get what we want. I've actually got greater things, a greater revelation, a greater purpose, a greater sense of restoration that I can bring into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit, if only you'll trust me. Now, of course, that's not revealed yet. That's still a little bit ahead of the story. But it's an invitation for all of us. It's one thing to be healed. It's another thing to trust. Well, what about those people who, you know, there's, I know a number of people, a number of people come to mind even as I'm standing here today thinking about this. Those who are longing for healing, those who have prayed for healing. Some of us that I know have prayed for healing for loved ones and did not see it. All I can say is keep following Jesus. Keep believing in his healing. Keep believing in his restoration. I don't know why some takes longer than others. I have no answer for that except that I know that I have to keep coming back to Jesus to trust in his purpose because I know he sees our world and sees that it's not as it was meant to be. And our hearts and our minds are not always turned towards him. So even in our frustrations, even in our disappointments, even in the frustration of the last few days, the last week, the announcements of government, we've got to keep coming back to Jesus and saying, Jesus, what is it in my heart and mind and my spirit and my body that you need to heal so that I can be walking in the fullness of your kingdom? And friends, that's the invitation of this message, I think, and the message of the whole year. What does it look like for you to follow Jesus today, tomorrow, and the days to come? What does it look like, regardless of the circumstances, to push in a bit deeper, to press in a bit deeper, to follow Jesus? Recognizing the hard decisions that it might make, the relationships that it might impact. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to be so indignant at the injustice that we see at the world, the broken nature of our world, that instead of just railing off at the world, we actually choose to step in and effect change for the sake of the kingdom of God. This is the invitation we'd love you to all respond to. Whenever you watch this, wherever you watch this, that we learn what it is to trust Jesus. We learn what it is to follow Jesus so that when we're stepping into situations and conversations, we might not only just speak the word, but we might reach out a hand of compassion to affect change, to see God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Would you pray with me? Father, we acknowledge you as the creator of heaven and earth. We acknowledge you as the one who restores and makes whole. We give you thanks for the example of Jesus. We give you thanks for the witness of Jesus. And we confess, I confess, that I don't always follow that example as fully as I would like as fully as I think you might have called that you've called me into. I know there's times where I've made mistakes, where I've disappointed people, and I, th- I thank you, God, that you can bring healing and renewal through those circumstances. But I pray more than anything, Father, that you might give us new eyes to see where we can step in, where we can reach out, where we can not only speak words, but where we can bring change through our actions, through our hearts, through, our, through the touch of expressing love and compassion to others. Father, if we're sitting in our lounge rooms or in our beds today and we're not sure about who you are, Father, I, I pray that for those of us who are uncertain at the moment that we might have an encounter 
of Jesus. The presence of Jesus in this space right now. Today, in this moment. That those of us who are uncertain, unsure would declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, would learn to trust you, would learn to know that you are willing to bring them life and hope and peace, willing to restore their lives. Father, for those of us who have wandered away and lost sight, maybe we've been disappointed, frustrated, maybe we haven't seen you work in the way that we would like, that our hearts would be open to trusting you again, that we would despise recognize that whatever we've tried to pursue in our own ways it hasn't worked we haven't seen fulfillment we haven't seen peace and so father we declare our desire to trust in you again to know your peace and your hope and your salvation may we be encouraged we go about this week to see differently to look differently to respond differently may we pay attention to those stirrings in our spirit that cause us to become indignant at the world and we're becoming indignant. May we seek you out to know how you might be inviting us to respond, to reach out and bring a touch of your grace and your compassion into these situations. And in all this, we simply want to follow you in all that we are, in all that we do. In the name of Jesus. Amen.